Will you join me in prayer? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It's complicated. I'm guessing we've all heard that before. We may have said this about a relationship or a feeling, how we understand an issue, what we want for the future. It's complicated. There are unlimited scenarios and factors to consider. We learn something new, our minds change. We come to a new perspective. For instance, yesterday you might've picked up some meat that was sacrificed at the temple of Jupiter, but you're a Christian. Should you eat it or not? Okay, so maybe you don't have that particular complication in your life. If you are grilling hot dogs that you picked up at a pagan temple, please let me know after the service because I would love to hear all about that. Um, but I'm guessing not, right? But all of us know what it's like to live in the complex reality of being a people around other people who have to make decisions for yourself that also impact other people or figuring out what it means to be a part of this whole Jesus business and also to continue to live in our actual world every day. And it turns out, I don't know if this is encouraging or discouraging, but it has always been this way. People have been trying to figure those things out literally forever. So today we get to hear about a time 2,000 years ago that Paul is helping this house church in Corinth think through some of these, it's complicated situations. And even though the particulars of this may not be relevant to our lives, I've grown to appreciate this exchange in the letter to the Corinthians. I grew up thinking, probably like many of us, that Christianity is a lot of rules. Some of those that I remember most clearly are don't drink, don't smoke, don't have sex, don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat, don't yell at your sister. It's really hard. So many rules. Maybe this whole religion thing is just about coming up with more rules. And it turns out it's a lot more complicated. A lot of this Jesus business, it turns out, does not come with clear instructions. And it turns out that most of the New Testament is about that. People figuring out how to do life often together in light of the resurrection of Jesus. And it is very, very complicated. For the folks in Corinth, at this particular moment, this question has to do with the diversity of the people in their congregation and their church. And in this house church, the diversity is along class lines. On the one hand, there are these weak folks, which doesn't have anything to do with morality. It has to do with being lower class. These are the enslaved people in the community, which is actually most of Roman society. They teach, they run household businesses, they work in markets, they farm. And on the other side are the strong, the economically and socially strong, the well-off members of Roman society. I might call this the leisure class. 
These are the highly educated people who spend their days in symposia, learning these new Greek philosophical ideas. There's little sprinklings of these learnings throughout the book of Corinth. And they've all ended up here in this house church where they've discovered Jesus and they want to figure out how to follow him together. And oh boy, is that complicated. And that complication, as it does, causes conflict. Corinth is a city of pagan temples. Every business, every contract, every social meal to establish status happens within the temple system. You want to eat meat? Your filet mignon was almost certainly first sacrificed at the, uh, in honor of Apollos or Hermes. Want to go to a business meeting? It's most likely to take place in the court of Isis or the sanctuary of Demeter. And meat is expensive. It's so expensive that most Romans are vegetarians by necessity. The only people who can eat meat are the ones who can afford it. And those who can afford to do so all have deep civic lives. They're smart. They're full of knowledge. And you know what? They know idols are nothing. These are little wood and stone knickknacks that people put up on their wall. They believe in Jesus. They can't do anything, these idols. They have no power. It's a different experience for the lower class people of Corinth. They are not convinced that this is a good idea. They have been subjected to the so-called powers of these idols their whole lives under the thumb of this hierarchical cultic system. So we can imagine the letter that Paul gets from one of these smart, upper-class, well-meaning Christians. Hey, Paul, we've got a problem here. One of the workers in our community saw Demetrius eating at the dining room of the Temple of Jupiter, and he lost it. He can't stop yelling about how we're supposed to worship one God, and this is really dangerous business. I keep telling him it is not a big deal. Could you please explain to him that idols are nothing so he can just get over it? No idol in this world exists. There's only one God. Thanks for writing us back so you can straighten this out. And here's what the leaders of the Corinth House Church get in response. Yep. We know that no idols in the world exist and that there is no God but one. But not everybody knows this. They don't have the same knowledge that you do. Take care with this liberty of yours, but it does not somehow become a stumbling block to those who don't know the same things that you do. In other words, very much in the spirit of the last shall be first and the first shall be last, it's actually these upper-class, smart Corinthians who need to shift their lives, not those who are anxious about this meat sacrifice to idols. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it tempting when reading texts like this to try to do some filling in the blanks. What is the meat sacrifice to idols today? Who are the socially strong among us? Who are the socially weak? How does this work itself out here among us? But I also have noticed that the more I try to turn this into an allegory, a sort of 
fill in the blank with your own experience, it actually feels less and less helpful. It's not so easy to map our experience onto these ancient texts. And the desire may come from a place of actually looking for more rules, or at least a way for us to kind of smooth out the complications of our common life. Instead, we may want to pay attention to what Paul does offer us. The complex philosophical and theological questions faced by this community, we see them not in answers, but in a way of life together. This form of life is one that challenges hierarchies of status and knowledge. It's a form of life that actually turns all of that on its head. It's a form of life that chooses holding together over being right. I thought about that phrase, it's complicated, a lot this week. Because even though it's true, it's a phrase that we also know is used to shut down conversation. It can be used to equivocate on standing up for what we believe in. It's so complicated, the speaker may say, that all we can do is listen to both sides and sort of shrug our shoulders and move on. I guess we'll agree to disagree. I wonder if some members of the Corinthian house church thought this too. Paul does think that two things can be true at the same time. It's actually true that meat sacrificed to idols is nothing. And it's true that they shouldn't do this if it hurts other people in the community. The writer and activist Adrienne Marie Brown, she offers this wisdom in situations like this. What if we approach contradictions with the intention of generating more possibilities? What if we approach contradictions with the intention of expanding our capacity to hold what is rather than shrinking what it is to fit within our comfort? The Corinthians know what we know. They know that we live in a world where we are working out what it means to be faithful, what it means to live into our liberation without getting rid of each other or turning each other away when our contradictions really stretch us. Two truths exist in Corinth. One is that people are engaged in an action that's technically fine. And the other truth is that action hurts other people. Instead of brushing that intention, that tension aside, they turn towards relationship. They make the most important thing among them the wholeness of their whole body. Pay attention to each other. Pay attention to each other, Paul reminds us. Not just to the problem, not just to the conflict but to each other. Pay attention to the lives that formed you as this body. Pay attention to the traumas and the deep sorrows that come with a sharing life together. Turn yourself from needing to be right towards needing each other to be in this church together. And it's there in the form of life that this turning makes 
it's here that we will find we are near to the kingdom of God. Amen.